Welcome to Blood Moon Milk, the astrology podcast that comes out every new and full moon to help guide you on your mindful meditation and manifestation journey. I'm your host, Aurora, and this episode is all about the new moon, which will occur on Friday, February 4th, Eastern Standard Time at the fifth degree and 24 minutes in the sign of Aquarius. But before we dive into all that goodness, let's get started off and set the mood with Aquarius Apocalyptic by Stoplight Observations off the album Too Good Ooh. We'll be right back with the rest of the show. In my phone, Macaulay Culkin on the lawn Mike Jones, Mike who? Mike and Mike's got me like Happy, happy Hanukkah Oopsie doopsie daisy My family's a little crazy nowadays Nothing stays in me I think I have ADD Knock, knock, who's there? No one's there, the world is ending Knock, knock, who's there? No one's there, the world is ending Knock, knock, who's there? No one's there, the world is ending Knock, knock, who's there? Snow Mike Aquarius apocalyptic Comes around 
if that doesn't get you ready and excited for all this Aquarius chat, I don't know what will. Let's talk about this particular new moon and why I kind of picked that song to start us off. This is the post-eclipse new moon, which I think is going to be a little bit of a relief for a lot of you out there. I have suspicion that this last eclipse, which was, again, that super blood moon eclipse in Leo, was a rough one for a lot of you listening out there. So hopefully this new moon will have a bit calmer, more relaxing, and it'll offer a little bit of a reprieve for many of you out there. I know in the previous episodes that I mentioned that my Mars was going to be sensitive, and boy, was it during this eclipse. Um, I definitely uh, had a harder time kind of containing (laughs) some of the stuff that I normally just keep to myself. Um, And, you know, hopefully the consequences won't be too disastrous in the long run, but damn being a Sagittarius and just having no control over what it is that's coming out of your mouth sometimes because that certainly got me in trouble. (laughs) Um, Anyway, let's go ahead and get into all about this new moon. So I think that this is going to be a really refreshing and subtly exciting, if that's even a thing, new moon. This new moon follows up to that dramatic super full blood moon eclipse in the sign of Leo a couple weeks back. The energy that was released then was pretty awe-inspiring if you had a chance to go and take a look at it. I was lucky enough to be invited to an eclipse party, which had excellent views of the clear night sky. Full moons are wonderfully dramatic, and this most recent one was pretty spectacular to witness. I was lucky enough to be able to capture some decent photographs, but in my opinion, nothing quite compares to being able to watch it in person with friends who are as equally nerdy about the stuff as I am. So while full moons get all the fanfare and all the dramatic pictures taken of them, in my experience, the truly magical stuff happens in the shadows. And that's exactly what this new moon is all about. New moons are a time of a blank slate, an astrological refresh, a time to spend in gratitude and maybe to ask the universe for that which you most deeply desire and you know is truly yours, but maybe you need a little help with it. But maybe you just need a little help getting it. Think about this new moon as the after party to that dramatic eclipse, the after party that only the people in the know get invited to. It's where people congregate to comment on what it is they've just seen and to conspire together for the next big event. By the time you're listening to this, and at the very least, the time of the new moon, which occurs on February 4th, if you had a sensitive planet in your natal chart that would have been affected by the eclipse, you may have gotten some shocking news completely out of the blue. This is kind of the MO of eclipses. This is usually something you would have never, never, not in a million years expected. Sometimes it's life-altering and or just completely out of the blue. Maybe an old lover resurfaces. Perhaps your source of income changes dramatically or even your social status is suddenly different from what it was before. Full moon eclipses tend to take something away and while yes, this can be devastating, every ending is the beginning of something new. 
I say this not so much to recap on the power of eclipses, but more to set the stage for this new moon. I expect there are some of you out there listening who may have had something really important taken away from you recently. I couldn't possibly predict what that specific thing is without taking a look at your particular natal chart, but whatever it was, this new moon represents a new opportunity, a new chance to usher in positive growth and change. Use this darkness to conspire with the universe on your behalf. Aquarius is one of my favorite signs, and one of the main themes is humanitarianism. So if you've been feeling particularly vulnerable, beaten up, or wounded, perhaps this government shutdown has you really concerned over whether or not you can make ends meet, or perhaps your marriage has recently fallen apart. Whatever it is, this new moon represents an opportunity to help you get your mind straight and set yourself on an intentional path for a better tomorrow because the only thing we have control over at times is the way that we choose to react to our surroundings. But that's enough. It's enough for a fresh start. And if you are out there and you are really hurting, my heart goes out to you. It's not always easy. In fact, life is frequently not easy at all. (laughs) But I'm on your side, whoever you are. This hasn't been an easy eclipse for me either. And I just, I want to go ahead and just say thank you for everybody who's out there listening, because having this project really does uh, give me a silver lining on those dark days. So thank you for listening. This new moon brings with it opportunities, energetically speaking, to sign new contracts, to start building new things. It's also good energy to bid on contracts shortly thereafter, so keep that in mind if you have any freelance work or new clients you're negotiating with. It's also a good time to start decorating projects or just generally feathering your nest to make yourself more comfortable. Also, if you want to grow your hair back faster, get a haircut after the new moon. For some reason, that's the magic of the moon. If you get your hair cut after new moon when it's uh, when it's waxing and growing, it grows back that your hair grows back faster. And also the opposite is true. If you want your hair cut to last for longer, so men, if you want your hair cut to stay looking sharp and fresh, get your hair cut during the waning moon. So let's talk about Aquarius. Aquarius is the 11th sign of the zodiac. It's the fixed air sign and the last and most advanced of the air triad coming after Gemini and Libra. It's ruled by both Uranus and Saturn, and it's also referred to as the water bearer. So Aquarius, as the most advanced air sign, craves mental stimulation above almost all else. Unlike Gemini, who is likely to take on the opinions and ideas of those they spend the most time with, 
Or Libra, who is focused on physical beauty for stimulation, the Aquarian ideals tend to come from a higher plane of existence. Oftentimes, you'll see memes of Aquarians who are represented as aliens, which personally I think are hilarious, but it also speaks to the lofty nature of which their ideas and therefore their attitudes tend to come from. Their thoughts tend to spend a lot of time in the clouds, and more often than not, they tend to focus on how to better benefit others. They might not always realize that's the case and what they're actually thinking about, though, and instead they'll be focusing on one or two things that are rather obscure, but they're really passionate about them, and then it's only when they get to step back and look at the bigger picture, that's when they realize the greater implications and the impact special interests really have on humanity as a whole. As an air sign, they are natural-born diplomats who can see diverse points of view without judgment. Among solar Aquarians that I know, they are the most inclusive people I've met to make sure that everyone has a safe space and feels welcome no matter what their race, gender, or sexual orientation. In a cosmic sense, Aquarius is the sign of the incoming age or the age that is to come. The energy is very forward-thinking and innovative, and the key theme for Aquarius is I know, because they've already thought of that, basically. (laughs) You know someone's an Aquarius or an Aquarius rising when one of the most frequently used phrases that you hear them say is, I know, I know, I know. And I'm guilty of this too as a rising Aquarius. Uh, Aquarians are mental pioneers, the forward-thinking individuals who live in the future and not the past. They are rebels and individualists. And because of this, they have to go their own way. And this can lead to really abrupt changes and a quick change of plans, which isn't always fun or comfortable for other people involved. Since Aquarius is ruled by Uranus, this can be tempered with a good dose of abruptness that can seem erratic and unpredictable at times. Uranus's energy is known for mixing things up without warning, sometimes with dramatic consequences. One Aquarius I know went from making big plans with her business that was just starting to thrive to closing completely and shifting gears entirely without much notice to those who she employed. It wasn't a good look. Not only is Uranus gifted at mixing things up, it's also helpful in aiding in transformation. Perhaps it's a little bit of the Saturnian influence as well here. Saturn was also one of the ancient rulers of Aquarius, and perhaps it's remaining and lingering influence that kind of adds this devil-may-care attitude to Aquarius energy. It doesn't care what you think or who is affected. If Aquarius energy needs to make a change, they are making a change come hell or high water, no matter who is in the way. They're just going to do it. It's in their nature to take them wherever the wind blows because, again, they're an air sign and they are the most advanced air sign. So they can do this in a really dramatic way. While at first this can be a really difficult thing to understand, it might actually be one of Uranus's gifts in disguise. Because what better way to get out of a rut than to let Uranus shake things up and throw you for a loop and see where you land on your feet? It might not always be what you want or the most graceful exit from a situation, but sometimes the universe gives you what you need exactly when you need it. Uranus offers other gifts as well, endowing a heaping dose of clairvoyance to those who have Aquarius featuring prominently in their charts. 
So it's likely that when these shakeups come from an Aquarius, they're not personal and they may well be informed from a clairvoyant experience that they've had that they don't even know how to explain in any other way than just to shake up things the way they need to. For them, it's about going off of a feeling, off of that gut reaction, and that that isn't always something that's easy to explain to a bystander, no matter how adept they may be. And even if you don't have Uranus prominently featured in your chart, that also might actually be a sign of clairvoyance as well. Astrologer Bill Tierney wrote in his Dynamics of Aspect Analysis, quote, when unaspected, higher octave planets being Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto are going to either operate in exclusively unconscious fashions with occasional spurts of unpredictable and unusual behavior, or perhaps not at all, remaining totally latent on the character level and thus projected onto people and situations. Yet for some individuals, for unknown reasons, an unaspected higher octave, either Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto in this example, could indicate extraordinary capacity far beyond the average human expression, almost as if these people are constantly plugged into an unlimited source of cosmic power. Let's go over the mythology surrounding Uranus and Aquarius to get a better sense of where these ideas and these traits come from. So the sign of Aquarius is identified as Gula, the great one in the Babylonian star catalogs, and represents the god Enki himself, who is commonly depicted holding an overflowing vase. And we know that this is relevant since Aquarius is referred to as the water bearer. And the Babylonians and the Sumerians predate the Greeks by hundreds of years. So I want to look at their mythology and see where the idea of the water bearer comes from. So this story originally has lots of ancient Babylonian names, which are, while interesting, uh, kind of hard to keep up with without visuals, at least in my experience. So I'm going to use the layman's terms name for everybody involved here uh, because it's kind of complicated and just kind of a weird story anyway, but I didn't make it up. I mean, it's ancient Babylonian, so hang in there with me, but I think it kind of helps to make sense of things. So, Inki the water lord caused the flow of the water to the heart after having uh, been with his his wife, essentially, who is known as Earth. After nine days of being her, nine months, the months of womanhood, basically Inki knocks up Mother Earth and nine months later, he has a baby. Earth gave birth to the mother of the land, who was also known as Lady Greenery. And then the Earth left Inky, the Water Lord, and he became kind of lonely, and he stumbled upon Lady Greenery. And he didn't know that he, this was his daughter, and because she reminded him of his wife who wasn't around, Inky then seduces her too. So then Lady Greenery gives birth to the Lady Fruitfulness, and she also leaves Inky alone. And again, Inky becomes kind of lonely, and then he finds Lady Fruitfulness, and again doesn't realize she is sort of his granddaughter, and seduces her too. And from this union, like I said, this is kind of a weird story, but I think it does help to sort of illustrate the point of origin of Aquarius's nature. Lady Fruitfulness gives birth to 
the spider who is known as Utu, or the weaver of life. And this third time when Inky succumbs to temptation, he attempts to seduce Utu, but she's not happy about his reputation just going from lady to lady to lady. So Utu pays a visit to Earth, who is also not too happy about Inky's behavior, so she decides to kind of trick him. She tells Utu to stay away from the riverbanks and any place where water might flood, and takes the semen from her belly that Inky put there, and puts it into the ground and fertilizes it with Inky's own waters, which sprouts a tree, and then Inky's servant comes over and says, Master, what is this plant? And he says, why, that's the, that's the tree. And he Inky then eats the tree and becomes pregnant with his own semen uh, and starts to gain, like, pregnancies all over his face and his jaws and his teeth. And everybody starts to kind of freak out because, uh, I mean, how does somebody become pregnant with their own semen? It's just a ridiculous preposterous situation to be in but then also they're worried that he's gonna die and he's like the main god in the pantheon um and so inky just lays down and wallows around and there really isn't uh, a great way this story resolves but this, the moral of the story is, this is how Inky invented sickness, and is also the idea of where Aquarius as a hypochondriac comes from, because they're inventing their own sickness. <laughs> I just think it's kind of random and funny, and really weird. <laughs> but it also illustrates another one of their characteristics or romantic traits, which is they can come on really hot and heavy and be all about you, and then they can also just disappear, much like Inke. So with all of that mythology under our belts, let's go over the high vibes and the low vibes of Aquarius. On the high vibe side, we have Aquarius as being very progressive, original, and forward-thinking. They're super independent, they're humanitarian in their thoughts and their efforts, and they're also one of the eccentrics of the Zodiac, which I think that's always a good thing. On the low vibes, Aquarians tend to run from emotional expression and can be a little bit cold, kind of like Inky running from partner to partner, leaving babies in his wake, only to stumble upon them later and try to seduce them and father children with them, not knowing that they're actually his children. Uh, and they have a bit, of a, a bit of a reputation for being cold and unfeeling, temperamental, uncompromising, maybe even aloof, and they are certainly the biggest hypochondriacs of the Zodiac. If they aren't properly aligned, they can also tend to bask in the glow of quote-unquote community admiration at the expense of their inner self-health and mental wealth, and this can lead to an overemphasis on the importance of superficial interactions on social media versus having real meaningful connections with people in real life. Some of the more extreme cases tend to fetishize their self-manufactured struggle in order to 
generate praise and attention. When an Aquarius is vibing with their highest, they're working to serve others and their ego is taking a backseat to their service. We are going to take a music break and we'll be back with other stuff in the sky, crystals, chakras, questions for mindfulness, manifestation, and meditation. This is The Battle for Inky's Tower by Dream Troll off of The Witch's Curse.
So you're into the powers of the moon, but are you curious as to how your personal chart is affected by the moon? I do one-on-one astrology sessions via Skype. They're a great way to understand the intricacies of the energy of the universe and how it affects you based on your personal natal chart. Your chart is yours alone, and it's a complicated thing that takes time and practice reading to understand completely. You're not just a Sag or an Aquarius rising. You're much more than that. So if you're interested, hit me up and book a one-on-one session. Also, uh, I started a newsletter for the podcast, and you can sign up for that at bloodmoonmilk.com, and I will make sure not to spam you. I will only send you relevant stuff to the podcast or to events having to do with the podcast. And um, I this has kind of just come as a logical next step, and also... I have been getting kind of frustrated with Instagram's algorithms not really uh, playing nicely, and I want to make sure that the people who say that they're interested in my content, and I know they're you're out there because I see the numbers going up and you're listening to the show, so thank you for listening, number one. I, it's just such a rewarding thing just to see people seeing those numbers creep up there. It keeps me going. If you want to make sure that you are always in the loop, sign up for that Blood Moon Milk uh, email newsletter. It's called The Goodness. And I will email you guys when I have an announcement or there's a new show. And I might even switch over my daily horoscopes to an email news list. But in the meantime, you can always get in touch with us at bloodmoonmilk at gmail.com or just DM us on Instagram at bloodmoonmilk. I love hearing from anybody who listens to the show who has something they want to share. It's always great to hear from the fans. I like it when people say hi, and I like it when people leave us reviews on iTunes because it helps new people to discover the show. So just to give you an example of a really wonderful review, DiamondXXEyes underscore said, I'm new to astrology, and this is a great podcast for people who are getting into it. Super informative and great for binging. Thanks for helping me get through my workday. And if you leave us a review and DM us a screenshot of what you wrote, I will automatically enter you into a chance to win a free mini reading from me. So uh, just make sure that you do that and you might get a nice little gift in return. So thanks a lot for listening and let's get back to the rest of the show. So let's talk about the other stuff going on in the sky during this new moon, which occurs on February 4th at 4.04 p.m. in the sign of Aquarius. Neptune is going to be sextile Saturn, and while this is kind of a a weaker influence, it's a long-term one, because those are both pretty slow-moving planets. It's usually a pretty positive aspect, and it also creates the energy for the unseen things to be laying the groundwork for future aspects and uh, new developments to take place. So kind of things beneath the veil, so to speak, and it's also a really great transit for establishing what can become future traditions. And since Aquarius is super forward-thinking and humanitarian-based, this is a great time to use that energy to think about what it is that you can do now to help other people that can grow and become a tradition that's beneficial to others in the future. Mercury will also be an Aquarius, adding to that humanitarian flavor and aiding in communication that benefits humanity. Venus will have moved into Capricorn uh, 
just that day, Lynn will be very, very early in the sign of Capricorn. And Venus and Capricorn really likes to see tangible proof of feelings and affection. So keep that in mind, not just for the new moon, but also for Valentine's Day. And then also Mars is going to be in Aries at home in its domicile. So anything that gets started under this new moon is going to have an extra boost from Mars. Great energy for that. And Saturn and Jupiter also at home in their domiciles as well. So it's kind of unusual actually to have three planets all at home in their domiciles. So I suspect that this new moon is going to have some extra juicy energy behind it that'll help you accomplish whatever it is that your dreams are. Plant those intentions during this new moon, and it might be six months until you see the fruits of your labor kind of starting to bud and to come forth, but these things take time, and that's okay. I like to say that it takes six months, which is the duration from the new moon in a particular sign, so the new moon in Aquarius. It'll be six months from then until you see the full moon in Aquarius, which is when you symbolically see the fruits of your labors. So that's why I say six months from now you'll really start to see a difference, but use this time now so you can reap those generous rewards later. You won't regret it. All right, so let's move into talking about chakras and crystals for your mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation session during this new moon. Aquarius rules the Ajna chakra, which is also known as the third eye, and it's very, very much associated with the sign of Aquarius. The third eye is related to the pineal gland and thought to be where clairvoyance is developed on a physical level in the body. And again, Aquarius is quite the clairvoyant sign. Again, that's one of Uranus's gifts. Activating the third eye chakra can help in developing your clairvoyant abilities too. I personally believe that we all have the ability to be clairvoyant, although society does a pretty good job of trying to ignore that fact and kind of, uh, kind of rolling their eyes at anybody who might be a little too vocal about it. Um, what clairvoyance really does for us is like having a filter on that's attuned to the energy that resonates with you the most. It's kind of like your alignment radar. If something is al- aligned with your highest and best purpose, then you're going to feel a real affinity and an attraction to it. And the stuff that doesn't resonate with you the most will just kind of fall away. At least that's how it should work. Sometimes it's a little bit more on the nose and a little bit more dramatic. I have personally experienced clear audience moments where I hear voices and see very real uh, effects from those voices moments later. So like, no, they're, they're real. And it's not just me hearing random shit and being crazy. When that started happening to me, I definitely felt like I was going crazy until I did a little bit more research and talked to some people who had more experience. But if it's something that you're curious about exploring more of, then this new moon represents an excellent opportunity to activate that Ajna, that third eye chakra, and really start to cultivate your clairvoyant abilities. One of the ways you can do that is by working with crystals. And the crystal that I've chosen for this new moon to work with would be Moonstone. Moonstone is 
very, very supportive of Aquarian energy, and it also aids with intuition, dreaming, relaxation, and calming the mind. It also helps to balance the emotions so that you don't overreact to a situation. This can be particularly helpful if you're cultivating those clairvoyant or psychic abilities because you don't get as overwhelmed by what you might be experiencing as you might otherwise. You can also use Moonstone uh, after your meditation for lucid dreaming assistance by placing it under your pillow. So if there's something that you want to dive more into, I really, really love lucid dreaming as a a practice. Um, it's something that I've been practicing and and exploring for months and months now. And while it's really difficult to kind of get the hang of, it's so invaluable. Once you get those insights, they everything starts to make sense. Everything starts to fall into place. And while you might know you might not know all the answers to whatever is going to happen in the future. It kind of gives you some personal insight as to why you might behave certain ways and react to certain things that you do that maybe you just didn't have any clue about before. So you can do deep work that is beneficial while you're sleeping too. And Moonstone is a great tool with tying together your intentional meditation practices while you're conscious with your unconscious and use those hours for self-development as well. And you don't have to do this every night, but I think that during a new moon, it can be particularly beneficial. Before we move into those final questions for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation, I just wanted to kind of reiterate a point that came up during a conversation I was having with a rabbinical monk not that long ago. And we were discussing the sort of downfall of the spiritual practitioner, John of God. And if you don't know who he is, go look him up. I'm not here as an advocate for or against the guy. I've never met him. I only know what I've seen and read about. And um, I know that there's lots of people in the spiritual community and the new age community that really respect and revere his work. And I'm not telling you to have an opinion one way or another, but recently it was brought to the public eye that he had been abusing his power and sexually harassing women who had come to him for healing. And um, this is, if that's true, then that's terrible. Um, And I highly... I mean, I kind of think it probably is true because there's like 200 women who are coming forward to talk about this. So it's kind of a a Me Too moment in the alternative healing communities. Um, I've never been a particular fan of this man. Uh, However, we were just discussing the idea of quote-unquote spiritual practitioners who have a large amount of followers. And the this monk that I was talking to said something that I just thought was really, really interesting. I just want to share it. And because I think it's, um, it's something that's kind of interesting and also easy to forget when we're so consumed with social media and it's easy to end up kind of comparing our lives on the surface level with the highlights that you're seeing from other people's lives. And that can extend to your personal practice, your craft, your, like, if you're an illustrator or an artist, that person might have more followers than you, whatever it is, specifically spiritual work. And essentially, that's kind of what this is. Um, 
whenever this monk sees a guru, quote unquote, that has a huge following, he's immediately skeptical. And he hypothesized that there is possibly an inverse reaction. And he hypothesized that there is possibly an inverse relationship with your true level of enlightenment with the amount of followers you have. Because if you are, in fact, doing whatever it is your practice is to gain a following, you're probably not really truly aligned with the purpose of doing whatever it is that brings you joy. In this case, this man had hundreds of thousands of followers who would come from all over the world to be healed. And while he may have been truly gifted at one point, when you subvert your power to serve the ego, you then give your power away to a lower version and lower vibrational resonance of yourself. So in order to fix that, do things with joy because it brings joy and because it feels like it is truly, truly in line with whatever your purpose is. And so this isn't so much of a judgment on the the individual John of God. I just thought it was a really interesting insight from this monk that I was talking to at a party. And yeah, apparently monks do party. <laughs> um, new to me too. But um, I I just thought it was such an interesting little nugget to take away. And I thought it would be kind of in in theme with what we're talking about here tonight with consciousness and clairvoyance and Aquarian energy looking towards the future. Don't look towards your followers or to your audience necessarily to tell you what you should be doing. Look for inspiration, sure, but don't compare and do it because it brings you joy. And essentially, that's why I do the podcast. Um, it would be great if it were to pay me money too at some point, but uh, for now, I'm happy with the joy that it brings me. So with that, let's move into our questions to ask ourselves during our meditation on this new moon in Aquarius. And as always, before you start meditation, really make sure that you're tapping into a sense of gratitude for whatever it is that you have in your life. Because the universe isn't going to give you more if you're not happy with what you already have. What new traditions would I like to set up for myself that are beneficial to others that can grow and continue to improve the lives of those around me? Have I been open to receiving my gifts of clairvoyance? How can I use the celestial quality of perception to aid in my rapid transformation? Is there anything in your life that you know at the core of your being isn't for your highest and best interest and you would ultimately be better off detaching from? It's not often that I suggest to get rid of things during a new moon ritual. However, I think that Aquarian energy is excellent for this and partnered with rapid transformation can really usher in new things quickly that are for your highest and best interest. Is there a case that I can think of recently where I've been emotionally cold to someone or to a situation that really deserved my attention? 
This is a good time to reach out and to mend fences if necessary as well. Well, that's it for this episode of Blood Moon Milk. I'm your host, Aurora. This episode is edited by the very talented Adam McIntyre. Have a wonderful new moon in Aquarius moonbeams, and I'll see you next time for that full moon in Virgo. And I'm going to leave you with Evelyn Champagne King, and this is Aquarius slash Let the Sun Shine In. <laughs>